Well, here we are, and it's 2021. We stand at the gate of a new tomorrow, a new era, without COVID, without this plague, in which prospects for a better world are tangible. Our anger, our anger at the sins of others is palpable. At Saudi Arabia's misdemeanors in Yemen, Turkey's unkindness to the Kurds, China's enslavement of the Uyghurs, India's prejudice against Muslims, Britain's rejection of Europe, Bolsonaro's rape of the Amazon and America's sheer parochialism. But anyone can bicker, anyone can point a finger and say, you are wrong and I am right. Condemnation of the other is the easiest self-indulgence granted to us. It involves a great measure of self-satisfaction. It is cathartic and cleansing because as a rule, not invariably, condemnation of the other involves little or no self-criticism. Indeed, it's the healthiest thing you can do. Forget an apple a day to keep the doctor away, become a xenophobe and feel better. And so too it is that the London elite condemn those that vote Brexit, or the Washington elite condemn those that vote Trump, without considering the what-did-I-do-wrong-that-they-should-hate-me-so question, because that question involves unbearable introspection. And they are right, perhaps, the elites, not to be introspective. None of us are too introspective, are we? I mean, those that vote Brexit, those that vote Trump, the populist wing, they don't seek to understand the view of the other. These things divide societies. We love to hate. It's a comforting thing. And perhaps perhaps not being introspective is the better way in some regard, if we can do it without resorting to hatred, but resorting to love instead. None of us should be too introspective, because that way lies madness. It is not without good reason that the Dalai Lama, when asked by his followers in the West for a simple instruction as to what they should do, responds that they should practice altruism. Because compassion and a lack of self-concern is the great path to happiness given to just a few to walk. And yet, love, compassion, a lack of self-concern, altruism, unselfishness, it's not enough, is it? You appreciate that if you talk to the young. By, by the young, I mean those under the age of, what, 45? The younger half of our society. They really lack something. I mean, when we were younger we had the the wonderful ideology of the 60s the impossible dream of a society built on brotherhood and love but that never really translated into into mainstream politics and what we are missing really missing today as we walk into 2021 is a new ideology that is in my view what the young crave the old mantras have failed us. Mantras like capitalism, conservatism, republicanism, democracy, freedom, liberalism, socialism, the labor movement, communism. These are all well, they're still there. They're still ideologies, but it's hard to get excited about any of them, is it? We kind of need a new ideology of inclusivity that will garner support amongst a generation that has lost hope in mainstream politics. And yes, I hear you say, oh, there's the green movement. Well, there is the green movement, but it's it's not enough. It's t in a way too focused. We need a kind of doctrine of, a kind of ideology of inclusivity. 
that moves away from all this rejection of the other. And much of the hatred in the world is based on a rejection of the other. And that that applies to the populists that might back the right wing in France and Germany, as well as to liberals that might be Remainers in Britain or back Bernie Saunders in America. There has been too much you are wrong and I am right going on in this world. Tolstoy once wrote that the cruelest thing one person could say to another is you are wrong and I am right. And yet we do it all the time. I wonder, I'm quite taken with Kwame Appiah's ideology of cosmopolitanism. Now, how do I know Kwame Appiah? I do know him personally. He used to, he's, he's the product of a, a, a sensational marriage, post-war marriage, between Stafford Cripps, the British, uh, British, what was he? Stafford Cripps was a British minister. I guess he was uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer. He was a British minister in the British Labour government, post-war Labour government, and his daughter, Peggy Cripp, sensationally at the time, married a Ghanaian politician, Appiah. His name was um, Joseph Appiah. Anyway, Appiah was jailed for years and years and years in Ghana, cruelly, as was much of the Ghanaian opposition. And I remember Peggy Appiah then, of course, her married name, Peggy Appiah, with my mother's great friend. Peggy brought Kwame and Arma and their little sister, what was her name? Isabel, maybe. Anyway, the th- Kwame and Arma to us, to our home, and they stayed with us for a little while, just on a holiday for a break. And I was so impressed with the way Kwame could climb trees. He went scooting up them like lightning, because he brought up in Africa. You need the right kind of tree to do that, mind you. Don't need too many branches, but then you can, if you know how to do it, you can do it. Boy, like a rocket, Kwame was for climbing trees. I could never match him. Anyway, uh, Kwame, I guess, has become, he sometimes calls himself Anthony. He went through a phase of calling himself Anthony. He had two names, like many people brought up in in mixed marriages. So he was given an English name and and an African name, Kwame Appiah, Anthony Appiah. Uh, he did the wreath lectures a year or two ago. Kwame has become, I guess, the world's greatest living philosopher, in my view, anyway. Well, I'm biased. And I've lost touch with him for years, but he's he's now based in New York, and he does great stuff. So he advocates a doctrine called cosmopolitanism. Now, how can we describe cosmopolitanism? What's different between integrationalism, the kind of American-French approach, Franco-American approach, and multiculturalism, the British approach, the Tony Blair approach, where you end up having lots of faith schools, which is perhaps not a bad way. Some would argue that faith schools are good. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure whether they're ideologically good. Anyway, never mind. The point is, what's different about cosmopolitanism? Well, you remember you remember Khalil Gilbran. He used to advocate a world without frontiers. And kind of that's what cosmopolitanism is. It's an approach that advocates a world without frontiers, uh, without petty nationalisms, but a world in which we respect the differences so we can each be what we want to be within this world without frontiers. It, I mean, it's obvious, really. It's a recognition of the multifaceted nature of us all that advocate unity. And I kind of like it. It's not enough by itself. It needs an underpinning of of the ideology that we associate with the Greens, because there is a war to fight there. And it needs an 
underpinning of an ideology of non-violence because we do need, uh, if I can put it this way, aggressive non-violence of the Gandhi-esque kind. I mean, Mahatma Gandhi was not a pacifist. He didn't call himself that. He advocated militant non-violence where you might lay down your life. I mean, impossible, isn't it? Impossible ideology because, because if you adopted it, what would happen? The world might change. Anyway, I think it needs that kind of underpinning. It needs a strong underpinning. But if you underpin cosmopolitanism with an ideology of nonviolence and a kind of love the planet, might get somewhere. You might have some new movement that would inspire the young of today. And my goodness, they need it. Socialism has let them down. All the ideologies of today have let them down. They need a new tomorrow with a better, bright new hope. Let's hope and pray that they find it. This COVID plague has been a terrible, terrible price that's been paid to buy us a better tomorrow. And we sure better make sure that we find one. God bless you. This is 2021.